The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. In a fast-paced world... Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Oh, something's tingling. It's me, your wacky wizard, Jake. No, it's me, the lizard man. <laughs> oh my god, we finally have thematic matches. I'm the lizard man. <laughs> it's me. The Lizard Man. This is still a better performance than Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man Lizard. Whoa, shots fired. What's happening? It's Holt McNeely, the funnest wizard in the block. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to my Wizzies out there, all my Wizzy fans in the Wiz fan club. Thank you for joining my secret fan club, trying to cause a divide between Jake and I, because I want this show to be more like professional wrestling than it already is. Your Jake? fans will hunt down my fans in the middle of the night while they sleep. Talking about the young bloods, Slicing the young, up young bloods. The young bloods are a very... Very lethargic and sleepy group. <laughs> Jake, you're the bruiser. How you doing, man? I, I am both wizard and bruiser, and we will never define which one is which. Never in a million years, fans of ours. And today's episode is part two of... Spider-Man, Spider-Man, <laughs> He uses his smarts. (laughs) He used to make a whole car stop in a web. I've never seen that before in any of the Spider-Man entities. (laughs) The animation, don't pay attention too much. By the way, we're watching the intro, so that's what we're commenting on right now. Spider-Man swinging through. He literally made a web the size of an entire city street and stopped a car in it, which is something I just don't think exists really, though, in the canon. Uh fine jewelry he just knocked out some people anyways i think i've had a recurring nightmare of like getting spider-man's web shooters but not having the upper body strength to actually do anything with them (laughs) just basically two silly string cans that just made me go like oh oh, no (laughs) (laughs) so so Last week we ended, we left off at the first appearance of Edgelord himself, <laughs> Todd McFarlane. In uh, 1988, he enters the scene, first drawing a, a Spider-Man comic in issue number 298. And uh, also, uh, and we'll go in more in depth with this, also was a big part of the creation of the first appearance of Venom, which became an incredibly- we are Venom. Let's like set the stage. I want to eat your brain. All right. Venom, please. I'm trying to host a podcast over here. Venom is so fucking rad and Dude, dumb like, and 
cool and stupid. Let's like set the stage for wh- where we're at. Okay, we've talked about this before. We talked about it probably on the crossover spawn uh, episode. Mm-hmm. Obviously, went in depth with Todd McFarlane, but comics change around the late eighties mm-hmm. and. Um, they become darker. They become uh, word gets out. A little bird gets the word out that comics can be big collectibles, and I think that's another big part of what we're moving into right here. Comics get weird, man. Dealing with all this, like like looking into where Spider Man went mm-hmm. to try to keep up with where other things went. It's like everybody wanted to destroy their heroes all at once, is what it seemed like. And I know I'm kind of jumping around right now, but it's a no, perfect. 90s Spider Man was dizzying high. And low cultural lows, weird stuff, man. It just gets bizarro. And and Todd McFarlane definitely has a huge hand in that. Um, love him or hate him, he he comes in and really makes Spider Man a big deal again with um, the 1990 storyline Torment, and it's that cover you see of Spider Man looking like Spawn, hunched <laughs> over, like um, with a bunch of web behind him. It's that classic look of Spider Man that's that is now classic. That was sort of a reinvention of the look. Mm-hmm. How would you describe it? Or how, where do we where do we enter the scene how do we enter the scene here jake about like what's going on in in, in uh, uh in we, comics we finally like kind of uh move away from the uh john ramita kind of classic silver age look definitively kind yes. of uh frank miller comes in uh alan moore comes in and, and sh- we can't do this <laughs> we cannot do this cross it. we have it's it's the entirety of Western pop culture is <laughs> Spider-Man. We're going to be doing this all day. I won't do it anymore. Um, and so McFarlane and uh, his, you know, the, his fellow horsemen of the dark comics apocalypse, uh, you know, uh, Rob Liefeld, Eric Larson, mm-hmm. uh, have like a very like angry, exaggerated kind of like, just more visceral art style that is just cocaine to the brains of 12 year old boys that like you know they don't want to be squeaky clean heroes they want to like feel like the anger and the darkness and the violence that's like just oozing out of all these it's the a it's generation x everything's extreme everything is dark and gritty and like um edgy and 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 in pain uh and so all of these characters have to be essentially reinvented to fit the format here there's a big kind of gold rush for the sort of dark twist and turn that these different um big staple heroes could could make so they need uh the the market forces are pushing for extreme attitude uh, introducing new characters because first appearances were the like bread and butter of the collector's boom. The yes. idea that this is the first appearance of the vulture means that a comic is worth you know thousands of dollars. Means so like if I invent uh, Bloodlord the Eviscerator. Uh, that's Bloodlord's first appearance. It's definitely going to be worth money someday. Let's have four different covers with fo- foil covers. Spider Side. And- I just invented Spider Side. Give me money. <laughs> um, that's a real one. Anyway. Also, though, you have to understand that Todd McFarlane is essentially with Spider Man and the storyline Torment. Spider Man is its own title. So there's Amazing Spider Man. Yeah. There's Spectacular Spider Man. Well, Todd McFarlane is eventually given just straight up Spider Man says, here, you can write your own stuff and draw your own 
own stuff. We're just allowing you to have carte blanche with with a Spider-Man independent title. And so what you have here is essentially a dude who likes to draw cool stuff who is going to write storylines that are essentially just excuses for him to draw (laughs) cool stuff. And that's why you get this like incredibly visceral looking stuff. But at the end of the day, the storylines are a bit Like a fucking Playboy model. Yes. Which did not hurt sales. Did not injure sales at the time can we go back to venom for a second yes please we did we can't gloss over venom is such a huge part of this kind of attitude shift because venom is like a stone cold killer he is like you know and he's an alien xenomorph and and like the thing he has tendrils uh his power set is exclusively made just to fuck with spider-man because He's the he's literally powered by the black symbiote costume, yes. which was like and we gotta get it okay. Which this, fans were built to hate and then love. So this like, is so Jake. There's so many things about Spider-Man in the '90s that is so convoluted and just just basically confusing me. And now looking back, and I'm like, oh yeah, I never understood that. <laughs> like Venom rules. And school drools. Mm-hmm. I knew that. But, like, I didn't Venom understand. also drools. If you remember yes, that, he does drool a lot. He does drool a lot. Well, he's, he's the violator. <laughs> he's the fucking violator. Spider Man is Spawn, and Venom is the violator. Like, it's, it's literally. It's super funny if you, um, because technically, I don't, I'm not quite sure how it worked out, but the first appearance of Venom, he's just, like, a little bit bulkier than Spider Man and oh, has, yeah. like, a, like, a kind of, like, a Joker smile on. Yeah. And, like, his big appearance is he's just in. Peter Parker's apartment because uh, his secret identity, Eddie Brock, was a um, rival of Peter Parker, a, a rival photographer that like uh, had a. You know, it's always in every version. He's a rival photographer that Peter Parker shames somehow for like being a bad photographer, and so he hates uh, Peter Parker. The symbiote hates Spider-Man for rejecting him, and together their hatred forms a new thing. Yes, but he, the first appearance of Venom isn't that like spooky, but it's only when McFarlane gets a hold of him that he gotcha. becomes fucking toothy McNightmare face. So let's get to how this. Okay, so and you might, I might need a little explaining from you because as much as I tried to pick apart how we get to Venom, mm-hmm. it was still difficult. So we, uh, to, we covered this in the last episode. Uh, yes, we did. Right. Okay. okay. So it started. It was a replacement costume for Spider-Man. Um, and the idea for the costume was originally conceived by a fan. Now, the thing that I can't understand is the fan, which this is a perfect, like, no-name fan to come up with this, Randy Schuler mm-hmm. from Norwich, Illinois. Yeah, yeah. And the idea was purchased for $220. What did he come up with? Just the idea that they should put Spider-Man in a new costume? Is that is that it? The, the black costume. He the came cool, up with, with the black costume. costume. Uh, you know, the um, the web comes out of the top, so he's making a cool fist instead of, like, a fun thwippy uh, hand motion. Right. Okay. You know, with the two fingers pressed into the palm. Um, so, so they the, end up they, they end up using that. And this uh, is, by the way, the webbing, like Spider Man's costume, is notoriously a pain in the ass to draw because of the intricate webbing. So, like, even in little, uh, you know, even in the tiniest panels, you still have to go back and just be, just draw a bunch of fucking lines all over. Uh, it reminds me of the nightmare that was when I tried to do like a realist, like an actual like one to one of Spawn because you just had to draw each chain link <laughs> like meticulously. Like that was the thing that took forever was chain link after chain link filling the entire. But piece McFarlane of paper. loved that. He yes. would fill all of you know. He added more lines to everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, and again, and look it up yourself. Just look up Todd McFarlane Spider Man. It'll probably come up. 
there or Torment Spider-Man. Um, and you'll you'll remember this co- this cover. It is so is so iconic. But yes, it is like the whole behind Spider-Man. All of behind Spider-Man is this intricate as fuck looking web that is just like crazy. Just to think about the drawing of that. Um, so, anyways, the this thing that fan, now fans did not like the suit. And I know we covered this mm-hmm. a little bit, but we still have to bridge the gap. Fans did not like the suit at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they introduced it really suddenly because of the way that the Secret Wars crossover was implemented. So, like, Spider-Man basically <laughs> showed up in this new costume, and then, like, it was only until, like, a few months later that in the miniseries Secret Wars, which was just a complicated toy tie-in, that they explained that, like, oh, Spider-Man was taken to another planet, and in a science lab, he found his new costume, and it gave him cooler powers. And then he was like, wait, wait, I can't be, like, beholden, pun intended, Mm -hmm. to this, like, costume with a life of its own. Get off me, costume! The costume didn't have a life of its own. It was just a cool alien costume until... The fans hated it, and the writers were like, fuck, uh, never mind, it was an evil costume. <laughs> <laughs> and so they uh, that's when they introduced the idea that it was a symbiote. Gotcha. So, okay, and this is a theme of Spider-Man in the 90s. Just pulling plot points out of your ass that's to apologize to the fans. Yeah, that's always been comics. Just feels like it's heavy. I mean, we'll get to yeah. the Clone Wars. Feels like it is heavy at this time that they really did not have the direction mm-hmm. that they needed probably in those no. writers' rooms. But there was... Uh- just, just to like wrap up, I have so many Venom thoughts. I just need to squeeze it. it I sounds, want all of your. You want to jump to Clone Saga? I do not. I want all of your Venom thoughts, Jake. Okay. I, Venom is so, is huge. So, <laughs> so uh, by this point in the nineties, uh, Spider Man had graduated college. He was married, married to, to Mary the Jane. hottest woman in New York. Yes. Uh, he, you know, it's it it kind of works because Spider Man, Spider Man was uh, born from all this anxiety and teenage angst. And, you know, uh, the teenage audience would follow that and kind of, you know, feel that and and resonate with it. But you can only save the world like maybe 15 times before you finally get your shit together. Right. So it made no sense for Spider-Man, um, like, a, you know, hitting 30 at this point, married, like living a steady life to still be like, oh, Uncle Ben, why? Right. So the way they shook it up, the way they kind of brought him back to his origins is that they invented a bully specifically for Spider-Man. He is the same powers as Spider-Man. He uh, is exactly stronger than Spider-Man in the same... Like, I remember reading the the trading cards. Venom is as much stronger than Spider-Man as a jacked dude is stronger than Peter Parker. Yeah. Like, the strength... It is the exact same level of, like, bully to nerd difference. And the suit... Uh, s- makes him uh, stealthy against uh, the spider sense so he can attack him at any time. He knows uh, Peter Parker's secret identity and he's like super violent and twisted and fucked up. So like finally this character gave Peter Parker a reason to be anxious and scared and like a nerd again. Yeah. Uh, then of course he has a weird space baby and that turns into carnage and that's fun too. Oh uh, yeah, we'll talk about carnage. And also I remember just as an aesthetic thing because again this is like such a blast in the past like I have all these flashes from back in the day because I like loved Venom back when I was a kid. And I remember just Even, the, just imagine anything looking cooler on a medium-sized boy's t-shirt. Cuz it was also like 
the inkiness, the splatteriness, because like Gak was really big at that time. It was all about like slime. Slime. Like like slime was so huge back then, and Venom like filled that quota as well. I don't know why slime was such a big deal back then. And maybe it still is for kids. But it was like huge back then. Like everything was slimy and and squirmy. And like, you know, Venom like nailed that aesthetic for me as a kid, like right in the sweet spot. I just couldn't get it. I remember I had a Venom action figure. I just loved the sort of textural qualities of Venom as as a as a, a designed character. Slime is actually still big. I'll go on a Slime's YouTube dive with you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. We can go. Yeah. So slime is just a thing kids love. Mm-hmm. Anytime you can make something slimy, gotcha. Yeah, because Venom like like really was the comic book character version of that, and you just like I couldn't get enough of that. Kind so- of like a weird mirror to uh, the Sandman. Also, was like a goopy Spider Man because Spider Man is such an agile and mobile character. His best villains are the ones that can like goop out and like give him like you know a harder time dodging. Yeah, yeah. Hydro Man, remember Hydro Man? Yeah. He was dumb. <laughs> so McFarlane's not really around on Spider-Man for all that long. Um I mean the dude was like it's he just he, exploded. He, ex- he just he, everything he did was selling millions of copies, but he was still an employee of Marvel. So even though they like tried to treat him right. The fact is that like self-publishing just would have been so much more lucrative. So he goes off to form Image Comics, and we've kind of gone into all that stuff. I didn't know on Spider-Man he was succeeded by Eric Larson, who created Savage Dragon, was one of the co-founders of Image. So yeah. just one right after the other, they popped in, did a little Spidey action, and then popped out and went to Image yeah. to uh, create their big thing. Um, Jim and- Lee, uh, Rob Liefeld on X-Men. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, Image was just like... The, there was so much money in comic books that like they were they were they'd be idiots to like still work at a fucking jobber's rate. Right, exactly. And and so we we mentioned Carnage. Um Carnage comes out in ninety two. Carnage is like well, I mean, it's basically as if the Joker and Venom combined. I mean, they created the alter ego of Con- Carnage. It's Cletus like the- Cassidy was designed, completely modeled after the character of the Joker. He's like a deranged lunatic criminal He's mastermind like the Joker guy. in addition to, like, Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. The, like, or serial, s- more of a serial killer. Hannibal yeah. Lecter. They're playing into that 90s serial killer uh, yes. You know, what was big in the nineties? God, <laughs> serial killers and slime yeah. and edgy villains. Dude, I'm glad we're out of it, man. No, it's due for a huge comeback. No, I don't it want is super, it. No, because because Marvel like tried to be like woke Tumblr with stuff, Ugh. and like they had a bunch of really good stories with it. But like the fact is, is like angry boys are the economic engine yeah. of fucking comic books. I just remember. Mark when- my words, there's going to be a resurgence of fucking dark. Words. Everything looked. Like a Nine Inch Nails video. It was like that grimy city street. Like, I just don't want to go back there, man. It was a hard place to be, you know? Nah. <laughs> somewhere don't... there's a little somewhere there's a little kid with asthma and a and a weird foot condition. <laughs> and he needs to feel powerful. And that's when my new character, Goose Lord, is gonna come in. Goose Lord? <laughs> Goose Lord was born in the inner city slums where he was taught to kill by ex Navy SEAL hobos. <laughs> Goose Lord hates fucking crime and he has knives for dicks. The villain is um emotionally confident boy. Ooh, emotionally confident boy's gonna get <laughs> knife dick so hard. I cry when I want to, and I laugh when I want to. Ooh, I <laughs> bet he's in a stable relationship. Yep. 14 years. Ah! And I'm a boy. (laughs) 
Um, so Car- Carnage was really like get your Gooselord and emotionally stable boy T-shirts at LastPodcastNetwork.com. LastPodcastNetwork.com, and we are currently getting um, full. Uh, computer imaging of our entire faces and everything to create uh, these characters. Go to Kickstarter for the Goose Lord video game. Yeah, I've decided I really just want to put 100% of my time into creating action figures for characters that don't exist because that's how we'll get our comic books sold. Um, so, Car- I mean, do, is there anything else to say about Carnage? There was Maximum Carnage, the 14-part storyline crossover. And the mediocre video game beat him and up. It, dude, I remember that game. That's I remember great. that game. And we'll talk about some some of the games. Um, uh, so, anyways, this all kind of culminates uh, or leads towards uh, what we were alluding to earlier, which is the Clone Saga. Now, what you got to understand is, now we talked about it a little bit already. But at the time, they're like, we need to make material that will be deemed a collectible, quote unquote, by the consumer. Um, and in order to do that, I think even more than being like... Death th- of Superman is the archetype for this. I was about to say. So so more than even just introducing new characters, it was more about like fucking up the, the staple ones. So Death of Superman. Also, though, Batman Nightfall. Let's break Batman's back. We're going to kill Superman. We're going to break Batman's back. We're going to do these things that are... Age of Apocalypse that also recently happened. It yes. was a huge hit. Seemingly like irreversible giant events. I remember my brother and I ran out to the store, got, you know, before, like never before had we done this, but it was like, let's get, we have to get it with the hardboard backing. You know, he's still, poly bag. yeah, he still has his issue of the death of Superman with the cape on the flat, on the uh, flag post or whatever. Oh, but tatters. he took it out of the black uh, plastic, didn't he? Probably. Ooh, that, Ooh. that's gonna, mm. no good, right? Now I he's st- only going to get $3 instead of $4. Dude, all of my, there's a billion copies of that. Exactly. <laughs> that was the thing. So everybody thought they were getting these precious collectibles. They're going to be worth thousands, just like Superman, you know, just like amazing adventure fucking, yeah number one or whatever and instead uh uh everybody had it and it was it was so oversaturated but in order to compete with these ideas the spider-man people were like what do we do what do we do what do we do and the answer ended up being the clone saga um it is literally was introduced in the writer's room and everybody groaned Mm -hmm. when it was mentioned uh and then uh and then it sort of uh picked up with popularity um uh, inside the room and they started really kind of using the idea but how do uh, Jake this okay. fucking shit yeah. is so confusing and so I stared at like Wikipedia pages That's and a mistake whatever for how I have an entire page of notes on this thing it makes no sense uh <laughs> Okay, Let, first of all, all right. we should talk about the original Clone Saga and how this, like, do you know? So, right, well, <laughs> okay, so at this point, Spider-Man had been split into, like, four books at this point. There was, like, yes. Spider-Man regular, Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular, Spectacular right? Spider-Man, okay. Web of Spider-Man. Uh, you know, this was still the comics boom, and the uh, Marvel on high demanded a big event. Uh, within the Spider-Man writer's room, uh, I think Tom... Def- Falco was either a writer or an editor. There was a few guys, uh, J.M. Uh, DeMattis. Uh, Howard- Terry Cavanaugh proposed the idea. Yeah. Howard Mackey worked on the small crossover elements, and Jerry Conway was the creator of the original story. Um, so- and he actually originally wrote 
the Clone Saga back in 1973. So this is all based on like a throwaway story yeah. that was uh, arc that was written back in the 70s, in which there's a character named the Jackal, a villain named the Jackal, who makes a clone of Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker, and Spider-Man has to fight his own clone. Um, and one of them is killed in an explosion, and they leave it ambiguous as to which one. They uh, apparently con. I- Conway says that he didn't mean to leave it ambiguous. He just figured, like, yeah, of course the Spider-Man Real is Spider-Man. Spider-Man. But this allowed them to take that one minor detail and say, hey, the Spider-Man you've known all along since the 70s is not the real Peter Parker, which would piss me off. Yeah. And it pissed a lot of people it off. Pissed, well, the their thinking was was that it would free up the Spider-Man that they had built along all those years to just kind of ride off into the sunset. Uh, you know, uh, it was the idea was uh, Mackie and Kavanaugh talk about this in an interview I, I listened to that it was it was the perfect solution. No one had to die. No one had to have their backs broken. It was uh, Spider-Man had kind of reached his end point as a character. He was married. He was about to have a kid and they could just kind of like he could just kind of settle down. He could retire. He could. They could have like maybe in a couple of months have like a little side book called The Adventures of Peter and Mary Jane, where they could kind of talk about like adult life because all these writers themselves had kind of grown up. Like Spider Man had a mortgage at this point. This is how far he had gone from his high school nerd days. Mm-hmm. Whereas this clone could come in. He could be a single swinging guy again. He could struggle to pay the bills. He can kind of recapture that energy. Bada bing, bada boom, and. And they were so proud of this because of that Conway story. It was in canon. Yes. They didn't like they didn't you know, there were such nerds about it that like they thought it was brilliant that that it all hinged on an actual piece of Spider-Man lore, even though it was, you know, that clone story wasn't that amazing at the time. No. And their original plan was this will be like a three month event. It'll be cool. We'll set the new status quo and everything will be fine. Uh, And they also like. Uh, uh, Kavanaugh and uh, Mackie were really into the idea of like man what is it to be like yourself like are you you are you just like your memories in a meat suit you know <laughs> ah, you know cause like what if like like fuck it what if like if I told you that a clone would just come in and like take care of all your bullshit and then you were free to just like jack off in the Mojave like would you take that opportunity I'd fucking I'd go I'd fucking go like you mean my wife would just have like a cool guy to hang out with and I get to just jail in the Mojave fuck yeah I would neither of them talk like that so this is my question please okay. edit that out <laughs> no I love that keep it I'm, uh, dude, I'm literally like, I'm like so glad you were doing a bitches thing because I was tr- trying to wrap my head around like, why the fuck? Okay, this is my next question. What is the purpose of introducing the mysterious villains, Judas Traveler and the Scryer? None. And, None. Like, why? They had no plan. What were, is, yeah, what was that? Why were they doing that on was, top of everything? So uh, the Clone Saga, the, the it was such a shakeup and such a controversy. Uh, the idea was Ben Riley. Uh, the uh, Uncle Ben and May Riley assumed name reemerged as the as the new as a different Spider-Man, the Scarlet Spider, and uh, then like all these subplots around the Clone Saga kind of like kicked in. But that controversy sold fucking books, so Marvel was like, keep this fucking thing going. And it seemed like there was nobody that was really truly running the show. You've got all these different. 
uh, Spider-Man titles out there. Mm -hmm. All these different teams working on different Spider-Man titles, introducing all these open, open-ended plot lines and characters and stuff and making them all mysterious because that's, again, going to sell issues if it's like, who's this mysterious figure who seems to be impenetrable? Like Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. It's like the combination of Apocalypse. It's the combination of that mixed with that fucking terrible, weird uh, after the death of... Are you of talking s- about Kane Parker? <laughs> Kane, the first clone, the failed experiment, the bastard son. You know what I was thinking about with all this? Mm-hmm. The cr- after the death of Superman, mm-hmm. with all those different Supermen, mm-hmm. and they had a, a, co- a comic for each different Superman. They ended up doing that with Spider-Man too. Okay, right? Well, this kind of reminds me of that in a weird way because they're just like trying to make you just okay with the concept of like different people being Superman and and it being like this okay thing. And it's like no, no, no. These are these are. You can't stretch it like that, or people, it, it like nerfs the whole idea. It's kind of like giving Spider-Man, because this is what I felt like when I was a kid, giving Spider-Man a super suit with a life of its own in the symbiote, mm-hmm. like nerfs Spider-Man, because he's like using this suit to just like be better than everyone, whereas it used to be like Peter Parker really having to like outsmart the competition and everything, you know? I mean, sometimes it works like uh, the uh, in Spider-Man Homecoming and like recently they had the Iron Spider. Like it's fun or sometimes they do give Spider-Man a power boost because he's kind of like a street level hero. It's fun to see what he can do when given more power. Mm -hmm. That's like kind of a fun thing. Uh, How does how does an ethical person like handle more power and thus more responsibility? Uh, (laughs) But. Like uh, there'd be there'd be months where the uh, Spider-Man writers were getting together, still trying to figure out what the fuck they were doing with the Clone Saga. They would lay out like, okay, these are the next two months of plot lines, and then one writer would just be like, oh, I just dumped that in my script. Sorry, guys. And they'd have to literally just spin their wheels because they couldn't make any progress without the consensus of the editorial group. It's the combination of of throwing big quote-unquote big event things in mm-hmm. in all, uh, as many comics as possible to sell collectible comics mixed with um all these mysterious ooh you don't know who who's Judas Traveler who are these mysterious um people you know um to kind of up the ante again to try to add more and more mysteries so that again people would want to know what the answers were to those mysteries and getting away to from anything i feel like that the actual you know, entity of Spider-Man's really about. I think a lot of, like, all comics at that time did that. It was a lot of, like, we're going to make a big collectible, so we're going to kill Superman. Well, what are you going to do after that? Bring him back, because we can't just kill Superman, you know? Yeah. like. Well, for a hot second, they, like, tried. They really tried for, you know, a couple of issues. Uh, ben Riley was the, quote-unquote, new Spider-Man. They gave him a dumb new suit. Yep. They gave him something called impact webbing that I remember very specifically. Yeah. <laughs> um, but finally, it just became so unwieldy, and sales were plummeting that they just kind of uh, they brought Norman Osborn, the original yes. Green Goblin, back from the dead, despite a lot of writers saying that his death was important. It was tied to Gwen Stacy's death. It was kind of like one of those important comic book deaths that shouldn't have been brought back. But no, fuck it. It was all Norman Osborn. The ent- two okay, years but, but, of everything. Uh, Judas Traveler wasn't really a mysterious spaceman. He was a mutant that Norman Osborn manipulated into thinking he was a cosmic. Was Ben Riley the Scarlet Spider? 
Ben Riley was the Scarlet Spider. Okay, cool. that so, outfit was dumb, but so I love it. For a while, the actual Spider-Man titles were replaced with Scarlet Spider for each one, like you know, the Amazing Scarlet Spider. Um, Budiansky, that's the guy who was kind of like the head writer, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Before we get to this whole Osborne coming back to life stuff, okay, we've got him calling a, a Marvel staff a, a meeting on the whole Marvel staff because this has gotten so out of control that literally, like, there was a quote, uh, yeah, Greenberg, it was one, I believe, one of the writers, um, he Greenberg recalled, I think even the janitor and the mailroom guys weighed in at one point. It got a little out of hand, to put it mildly. The memos really started coming in at this point fast and furious and i've still got every single one of them in one big thick hernia inducing file which is amazing i would love to leaf through those but also um initially it was proposed that mephisto would create created a time loop so that ben and peter parker were the same person just going back in time mm-hmm. uh, to, to to save, I guess, each other. Like, it was like a back to the future thing. And for a while, that was going to be the answer. Um, but there were so many plot holes in that that, that uh, they, like, the writers essentially revolted against that. And then it ended up being with Harry Osborn um, and everything. And by the way, like, during this time, like, Marvel has a financial crisis, mm-hmm. has to lay a ton of people off. Budiansky gets layoffed at one point. Um, they had to like fully restaff. I mean, it just sounds like this was just such a fiasco. Yep, just such a disaster when it comes to. I mean, and, and historically so when it comes to comic book storytelling. No, it kind of represented the death of that comics boom. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, for a while, it kind of like this is the Cobain suicide of uh <laughs> comics in the nineties. Um. Uh, yeah. It's cool. weird. Once in a, once a, once in a while, you come up with just that perfect analogy. Uh, and that's when like Spider Man had a rough go. He had a really rough go for a while. Uh, like, uh, what's what's next on your notes? Amazing Spider Man relaunches in January of 1999 with Howard Mackey as the writer. Um, uh, and that sort of seems to kind of pick up from there, which included the death of Mary Jane, which they later reversed, just like they do everything else in comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's the, the very end of the 90s is kind of where I, I pick up from this. Uh, you know, I've got different quotes. Editor Mark Bernardo says the length of the story arc was initially planned to be short, but rapidly spun out of control and ended as a fiasco, which is the word I just used. Ironically, the whole storyline, which is supposed to be si- to simplify Spider-Man's mythos and ultimately bring him back to basics, quote unquote, ended up complicating everything beyond what anyone imagined. That is that is the most accurate statement about the Clone Saga. Uh, don't worry though, uh, Ben Riley melted into a pile of goo, <laughs> uh, and then he came back. Everyone comes back. Yeah, I mean, I guess the whole yeah just. Uh, just know they 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 spun a story way out of control, and then they sort of just went back on everything, because that was the whole. They were just like, how do we the whole time loop, and ended up being a secret plot of the Green Goblin thing. That whole thing just came out of like, what do we do to reverse all of this nightmare that we've created for ourselves without it seeming like a cop out? And I think that that is like the hardest trick in comics. Honestly, the post '90s Spider Man is just a. A, a whole lot of cop-outs. It's yeah, just cop-outs I, that then have to get rescinded because, again, this is the key tension. We're just so far away from 1963 that, like, we can't 
you can't get you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Now I'm gonna be honest. I spent more time with like Spider Man in the media. What can you tell me about? I mean, I know that um, in the early 2010s, there's a temporary end of publication. They do a relaunch in 2014, and then there's the whole Secret Wars event. And they do a relaunch in again in 2015. Is that what you're talking about? Can you speak towards the last 20 years of Spider-Man? Because okay. I I don't even know. It's all I, I don't really have a lot on that to be honest with you. So Spider-Man is like the one of the most iconic Marvel series. Uh, the movies are popular. And, and we'll talk more no. about Spider-Man and TV and film in just no. a little bit. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to get the order wrong on a bunch of this, but like uh, Spider-Man uh, adopts like four different costumed identities and it's called like the spider slingers or web slingers or something. And there's Ricochet and Yellow and Hornet and all these other other Spider-Man characters. Mm -hmm. There's uh, at one point they, they still they want to they don't want Spider-Man to be a married dude in his 30s. That is like just it is ant antithetical to what the core Spider-Man arc is. Right. So uh, <clears throat> there's Brand New Day where like they bring Mary Jane back from the dead. Or no, Aunt May. I fuck. I'm sorry. Please don't. Well, they bring Mary Jane back from the dead yeah. for sure. He like try. OK, I think they kill Aunt May. And then Mephisto offers like a deal that he will erase Spider-Man's marriage. Yeah. Uh, in order to bring him back to the swing in. Uh, apartment hunting young dude uh, status quo. Is Mephisto just always used to solve problems? I mean, that's, what does Mephisto do? What is uh, he's he's the devil. He's just the Marvel devil. Okay. Um. So he can manipulate yeah. time and and things. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a cosmic level entity, magic. You'll have to ask. We'll have to wait for a Doctor Strange episode. Um. <laughs> uh, at one point, they uh, they want to give him organic web shooters because that's what he has in the movie, and they feel like that's a that's like. You want to match what the movie's doing so people who pick up the comics aren't confused. So uh, a madam, like a, a woman named like the Queen Spider or just the Queen makes out with Peter Parker, lays eggs in his belly, turns him into a giant tarantula. <laughs> uh, the tarantula then is pregnant, uh, but then the spider, the tarantula dies and a naked Peter Parker emerges from him. Yeah, absolutely. And now he has organic web shooters and he can talk to bugs. And like, if he concentrates, he can like a giant gross, like chitinous spike can shoot out of his hands. Like kind of like shitty Wolverine. <laughs> um, Venom is like dead, then comes back. Carnage is dead and then comes back. Norman Osborn has like, brings Gwen Stacy back and like fucks her. I, it's legit. There is just all this like crazy shit going on. Uh, eventually Dan Slott, who is this, that is my time to eat a diet shake alarm. <laughs> I'm down 20 pounds. I feel great. I would kill all of you for a donut. Congrats, dude. In cold blood, without blinking. For one, <laughs> not even a good donut, like a, like a powdered sugar donut. Remember um, Spider-Man like 2099? That was actually amazing. That was good because I remember that very clear. Well, it wasn't just Spider-Man, right? It was a bunch yeah. of different entities or was it just Spider-Man? Uh, no, there was uh, Punisher 2099, yeah. X-Men 2099. Uh, that was actually great. Uh, while all this is happening, uh, the side Spider-Man projects are actually incredibly fun because they get to tell the story. They get to have a real arc. So Spider-Man 2099 has Miguel O'Hara in the future, and he has like a cool costume idea. Uh, when the movies come out, Brian Michael Bendis uh, in the early 2000s creates Ultimate Spider-Man uh -huh. with uh, Mark Bagley. And that, those are like amazing. That is an amazing run of Spider-Man stories. Um, but... Uh, 
by like 2010, I think, Dan Slott comes in, kind of reinvigorates the fun, just kind of carefree Spider-Man. Uh, he actually, instead of fighting against it, he leans into uh, a kind of more confident Spider-Man with big time, where like uh, he gets a job at like Stark and then he forms his own company and he's like doing good for himself. And it's mm. like fun to see Spider-Man succeed. Then his brain gets swapped with a dying Dr. Octopus. And that's where you get the superior Spider-Man where uh, this was like an incredible run that people loved where uh, Spider-Man's brain uh, got swapped with Dr. Octopus. And it was like Dr. Octopus, a supervillain trying to prove just through sheer ego that like Spider-Man was dumb in how he handled crime and like how would a supervillain kind of like try and solve the world's problems. Um Around what time is this? Is this This is already like in the twenty tens. Twenty tens, right? Okay, cool. So we're kinda getting more caught up. And do you do you know where Spider where Spider Man is today with the comics? Um, there's Miles Morales, who is the new ultimate Spider Man. Uh he's like uh, half Hispanic, half black. Uh he's oh. he got folded into our universe. Where's Peter? Uh I is he, is he still in the amazing Spider Man? There's been a bunch of events. I actually don't know the current status of Peter Parker as we know it, but he's back in his own body. <laughs> he is. Uh, there was like there was like a Spider Verse uh, event where like Spider Man had to go across parallel universes and like meet other Spider Men from other dimensions. They're doing stuff. They're, They're doing, doing stuff. And the biggest event, which we'll get to, I feel like, is Spider Man Homecoming, and and we will get to that film. Uh, but let's that's a good segue into let's take a ride. Well, let's not take a ride in the way way back machine, but let's go back. Well, let's not talk about the way way back machine, but let's go back in time a I've little been, bit. I've been seeing it in my dreams lately. Jake, please. I, please. If the more you dream it, the more of a reality it'll become, Jake. I it, Every time it reaches for me, I wake up in time. But what if I don't wake up? What was that? What? See, the more you dream it, the more it becomes a reality, Jake. Let's He's not talk dead. about the way way back machine. He's dead, damn it. Why won't you let us be? <laughs> so, TV. Yay. Uh, before we even get to The Amazing Spider-Man in 1977, he actually appeared in some comedic shorts called Spidey Super Stories in 74. <laughs> uh, can we hear a little bit of that, please? Is this the electric company? Yeah, this is Electric Company Spider-Man. He doesn't actually talk, which is kind of funny. He just does little word blurbs. This is this most 70s ass theme song. Here he comes, your friendly <laughs> neighborhood web slinger. Today, Why does Spider-Man always Spidey have a good theme song? The I don't know. We're going to hear a bunch of them, though, in just a second. Spidey is visiting his friends. <laughs> little kids at a school. And that's just, that is not Spider-Man. That is just a man. Yeah. What's your request, Spidey? And then he just, a little word bubble pops up. It says Jelly Belly. Oh, Jelly Belly. That's on page 49. <laughs> it's so weird. And a bunch of snakes pop out of the book. Oh, I can't. I can't. All right, we're, we're good on that. Narrate an episode of the Electric Company. Either way, this is completely ridiculous, and uh, that was actually the first appearance of Spider-Man on the TV, the small screen. Now, after that, in 1977, we get the Amazing Spider-Man, a live-action series. So what happened here is Stanley sold the rights to a, to CBS for a show. They did like sort of a, a made-for-TV movie essentially as the pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it was like an hour and a half long deal. Um, hour 20 minutes and it ended up getting picked up now apparently lee 
and the director of the series like were just clashed hard and Lee even said in an interview with for Pizzazz magazine that he felt the series was too juvenile. Yeah, I remember even being a kid and like seeing it on like syndicated reruns and just being really upset at how like boring and old it was. Yeah, and and uh it's also like yeah, it doesn't really have the charm that like the old-timey Batman uh Adam West Batman. It doesn't had. even have the charm that like the uh 70s or the 60s uh Japanese Spider-Man show did. Yes, which we'll get to. I think to. we played the theme song during our Stanley episode. We had to have Spider-Man. Um so then we okay. Let's talk about all. All right. So for the animated shows, there's so many of them, and they all seem to just run together like a blur. So what we did instead was we just we're just gonna play you all the different <laughs> theme songs for for each one. Okay. So this is Spider Man and his amazing friends. I used to love this show. Really? I had it on VHS. It was the. What did you? Why? Why did you? What did you like about this show? Uh, there was Iceman and Firestar were his friends for some reason. <laughs> Uh, they was like it was like a Hanna Barbera crime solvy show. Watch you'll you'll watch the theme and you'll be like, this is dumb. This is dumb and great. Uh, also, also really dated but catchy theme song. Nice, a Marvel Comics animation presentation. Nice. I remember this. Spider-Man and his amazing friend. Oh, I totally Ice remember this. And Firestar. Oh, now I know why I like this show, because there was a hot redhead in yellow spandex. <laughs> okay, wait, watch. Watch when they activate their crime lab. Golly. You pull the foot, and boom. The nice. dorm room becomes... You know it's a good becomes... crime lab when there's uh, reel-to-reel cassette tapes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's Spider-Man is amazing. It's a giant fire monster. Yeah, don't worry. There's an ice guy. There's an ice I, guy, yeah. Yeah, boom. Turn him in ice and break him apart. Yeah. Hobgoblin. All right. Um, so then we have, what, what else do we have here? We have the 90s. We have a this. 90s Spider-Man. There's a 94 Spider-Man and a 99 Spider-Man. So I don't know what well, this one's Well, the from. 94 Spider-Man kind of became the 99 Spider-Man. Oh, okay, cool. Because uh, the 94 Spider-Man, again, like all good Spider-Man stories, starts out at like back to basics and then devolves into psycho bullshit. Like the, by the end of the 94 Spider-Man, there was like Madam Web and alternate dimensions. And they were like trying to cram all these guest stars into everything. Uh, but their last gasp to uh, keep the series going was Spider-Man Unlimited. That one had Spider-Man transport to a world full of uh, magic animal people. It was sure. dumb. It lasted for a season. Nobody so let's, cared. let's hear this uh, from the 90s. Let's hear this. You know uh, this one. Everyone knows this one. Well, I'll, be, I'll be the judge of that. Oh, shit. I kind of remember this. Sounds kind of like the X-Men uh, animated theme. Yes. Yes. I remember the fuck on, out of this. We got to get to the guitar solo. I'm not going to let you turn away till we get to the guitar solo. Yeah. Turn it up. Oh, that is nasty. Ugh. I fucking remember the shit out of this. I just peed and pooped at the same time. I feel great. <laughs> yeah. High, high fives five. a lot today. <laughs> Thank All you, right. Super Producer Megan. What else do we have? Spider-Man Unlimited? Is that that's, no, that's what we just listened to? Oh, no. I don't even yeah. know. All right. No, no. Next is, do we have Spider-Man, the new animated series? That's in 03. Uh, is this the MTV one? I think maybe. Oh, this was dumb. 
This is bad, like, early 2000s CG. It was yeah. done by the same studio that did Reboot. Oh, yeah. No good. Oh, listen to this fucking techno bullshit. Turn oh, this wow. up. Duhast. Are they Duhast saying anything about being a Spider-Man? No. Get yeah, busy, child. Like this looks like legit hot trash. Right Somebody's going to write in on the Facebook page and be like, Fuck it is not trash. Right. I expected you to spend 30 minutes on Spider-Man, the new anime. I wouldn't series. be surprised if the Crystal Method made that bullshit. <laughs> Um, spectacular Spider. What else do we have, Super Producer Megan? Uh, we have Ultimate Spider. I don't even remember this one. Okay, let's just listen to Ultimate Spider Man. I think this might be. Okay, no, no, no. Spectacular Spider Man first. Okay, that this is great. Is this is a genuinely 08. great. 08. So, like, now it's like at a, like a pop punk kind of deal, like okay. a Blink 182 Goldfinger vibe. I love it. Perfect. I love this. Wow. What? This, I never heard this before. This is oh, ridiculous. It didn't even get to the hook yet. I'm so Who happy. wrote this? I have to know. Is this anything in the about? We're going to no. have to Google it. Okay, that's pretty. That's a pretty hot hook. That's you think this good. was lit? You think lit? Lit, really? Really? <laughs> Third eye blind? It could have been anyone. Yeah. I think it was the cherry pop and daddies. Um, <laughs> it definitely no. It was. There's like some residual ska like photons, <laughs> but it wasn't quite. Uh, opening theme. The tender box. Of course. The tender box. Hold of on, course. look up tender box. Song. That's a pseudonym. It was lit. <laughs> the well, the tender box is. Oh, okay, yeah. The no, they're real. Crashing down. They're real. Play just like a second of whatever tender box's other songs are. Oh, very different. Less upbeat, more challenged. Pray oh, for sins to fade. All right. I can't. Fuck you, Tenderbox. You peaked at Spider-Man. Definitely, actually. I way prefer the uh, <laughs> intro of that. So next we have Ultimate Spider-Man. This is 2012. So this is actually the most uh, recent, I believe, of all of the series. Here we go. Are there lyrics? What? Eh. All right. Nope. All right. Those drums are pretty killer. And apparently there's a 2017 Spider-Man that's supposed to be coming. It's insane. Um, you're never going to, like, he's an international, like, property. There's, you're not going to lose money making a Spider-Man cartoon. So... Let's move on to the movie, shall we? Because I can't spend another moment talking about Spider-Man. Spectacular, spectacular. That was pretty good. All right, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. That was pretty good. Okay. I think it aired on Disney. Real Big Fish, I believe, wrote yeah. that. She's got a girlfriend now. <laughs> All right. So in film, um, apparently there was a 69, uh, 1969 unauthorized short by Donald F. Glutt. But we don't. I don't even know anything about Famous that. Famous pornographer Donald F. Glutt. <laughs> yes. It's the first person to take a picture of a butt. Um, 
77, made for TV movie. We already talked about that. So it isn't until 2002 that we finally get the uh, Spider-Man proper film to come out. Uh, I have really strong memories of this. Mm -hmm. Sam Raimi directed. I'm already sold because I'm a huge Sam Raimi fan, especially at this time. Um, One of my favorite things is, okay, so I went with my buddy Jet and Andy to the movie theater. Before we went, we went to a toy store and picked up these uh, Spider-Man wrist uh, things that you could attach to your wrist that were like the Spider-Man gloves. Did they do silly string or yes. like little darts? and oh. they shot silly string. And we fucking jumped around out front of the movie theater and shot silly string at little kids, and they loved it. It was Aww. one of the funnest times I've ever had on a di- on like a for opening day of a film. We were just like insane. It was like everyone was just like, Spider-Man! Like everybody's yeah. Spider-Man rules Spider-Man Everyone's screaming it And then the movie Was actually like A total blast Yeah The fact that the movie Was good Is kind of amazing Arguably It was the first Great Superhero film Of the modern day Superhero film Boom Right uh, X-Men had come out A few Like two years before that but, It was alright It was good But uh Yeah Between uh, Spider-Man 1 X2 Spider-Man 2 And then like The burgeoning Or no Marvel still was A few years later Than that but yeah, Spider-Man 1 and 2 were really that fucking good. Yeah, it was fantastic. And of course, uh, you know, <laughs> directed by Sam Raimi, you've got um, Tobey Maguire and uh, uh, playing Peter Parker and Kirsten Dunst as uh, Mary Jane and of course Willem Dafoe playing uh, the Green Goblin. It was, uh, it said here where, where, where I read, progress for this film was stalled for nearly 25 years before Columbia acquired the options. It seems like when it comes to Spider-Man and the story of Spider-Man in film, there's a lot of dealing with the options, mm-hmm. a lot of dealing with the rights, a lot of dealing with the licenses between Marvel and Sony and um, in this case, what was Columbia Pictures? A ton of different people wrote different scripts. James Cameron at one point wrote a version of the script. David Fincher wrote, wanted to do it. He wanted to do, um, but he didn't want to do an origin story. He wanted to do uh, the night Gwen Stacy died storyline. And uh, they said no to that. And then um, they decided to go with Sam Raimi, which was a bit of a risk for them back then. At that point, he'd only done the Evil Dead trilogy. I don't know how much else he'd really done. Oh, interesting. And Army of Darkness like was his like biggest budget thing and that was actually in the theaters not yeah. that great of a of, of a success. So, but but the difference with uh, the, the the difference is Sam Raimi was a massive fan of the comic Mm -hmm. and I think really sold the studio on that he was a huge fan from when he was a little kid he had a large respect for it and the movie was great the movie came out and uh, uh, people loved it I think what Sam Raimi really nailed which I feel like from the sounds of it is something that they've done a pretty good job with with the more recent film is the uh, the comedy of Mm Spider-Man and I think that this is the hardest balancing act for Spider-Man in movies Balancing these incredible tragic elements of the death of his parents and Gwen Stacy, all of this kind of dark. Uncle Ben! Right? Uncle Uncle Ben! Uncle Ben, all this dark, brooding teen stuff. Mm -hmm. 
mixed with this really silly, fun, goofy version of Spider-Man. Yeah. And I think it's been the battle between those <laughs> two sides of the Spider-Man coin that have been the most difficult for directors and writers to nail within the scope of like an hour and a half to two hour long movie. I honestly believe that uh, the Raimi films, even fuck it, even Spider-Man 3, I'm sorry. Yeah, even really? Spider-Man Spider 3 uh, captures the version of New York that was in these early Marvel comics, that like Yancey Street, Palookaville kind of fucking New York City. Uh, this heightened version where like people are still dumping trash out of their uh, tenement windows and there's taxi cabs and just underground wrestling matches. That was so awesome. Bonesaw that part. is ready. <laughs> that please was so Google, good. Please bring up Bonesaw is ready. I'm going <laughs> to need to hear that 17 times. Yeah, um, that was so fan. I mean, just, just oh, fucking and Willem Dafoe is the Green Goblin. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely perfect. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Just, just let, just let the Macho Man enter your soul with his powerful performance. God bless you, you roast beef <laughs> angel. <laughs> and also, uh, yeah, the cameo there too from um, why is his name escaping me, Mr. Right Chin? Now? Yes. <laughs> Why is his name escaping me right because now? Because we're like cranked up on a million different factoids and we can't keep it straight. Um, star of the Evil Dead films, and you're all gonna kill me for not. I, I mean, I would, I would, I think Sam Raimi may end up getting his own episode Bruce on Campbell. this actual show. Thank you, Bruce Campbell, whose autobiography, by the way, is fantastic. Um, and then comes Spider Man Two. Spider-Man 2, also directed by Raimi. Doc Ock's played by Alfred Molina. Just fantastic casting. Great. And this has gone down. Michael Chabon did a rewrite of the script, by the way, oh, who yeah. wrote Wonder Boys. He wrote The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. And this is a little tie into this. If you want to read a wonderful book that is a fictional work about the beginnings of the comic book industry in New York City, fucking read Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. It's it's a yeah. phenomenal read. Um, but anyways, I thought that was just a really cool factoid that uh, Shaban did uh, did a rewrite. But um, Spider-Man 2 comes out and is still regarded as one of the best superhero movies of all time. I need to go back and rewatch it because I have a much stronger uh, memory of the first one and not quite so the second one. I think the second one I watched with like at home with stuff going while I was like doing other no, stuff. No, it bears rewatching. Yeah, I really need to check it out. So you have a, so can you speak towards it a little bit? Uh, the, Why does it work so well? Uh, they kind of uh, get, you know, they get over the origin stuff. So it's straight to the action. Uh, Molina's performance is great. You genuinely believe that he's a good man that has been somehow corrupted by his motivations slash Literally, there's a little chip in his neck that is supposed to be the evil suppression chip. Uh, they handle it really well with like uh, the way they frame the 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 octopus arms whenever he's like trying to maintain his sanity. Huh. Um, there's that awesome scene in the surgery center where the arms just kill a bunch of doctors. The drama with Mary Jane is handled great. Uh, they have that amazing ending where it is like Superman having to believe in himself and lift the heavy thing, just like in the 60s comic. Sp or Spider-Man, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah what I say? Superman's um, fine. We've literally, we are fried at this point. Uh, but uh, more importantly, the fucking train scene. Yeah. Uh, when Spider-Man is uh, trying to stop, they, they kind of do it in uh, Homecoming as well, but when Spider-Man is trying to stop a runaway train after, uh, and... The entirety, like this, this, this New York City uh, train car on elevated tracks, which does not exist in downtown Manhattan. I don't understand <laughs> where they got yeah. that idea. Um, 
you know, he strains himself to the limit. He like just he's bloodied and unconscious. And the whole track sees that he's just a kid. And they're like, he's no older than my son. And they like carry him Christ like to safety as New Yorkers together, Um, especially because, you know, New York was still hurting after 9-11. This was like tears like fuck yeah, America. Fuck yeah, New York City. Fuck yeah, Spider-Man. It was just like and that's just one of many amazing moments in the film. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I definitely. I'm like close to crying. Just like I, I, I need to get. I need to go rewatch Spider-Man Two like big time, and then of course Spider-Man Three, the end of the Sam Raimi run of Spider-Man films. Uh, I mean, I have to bring up. It's got the infamous dance scene in it. There was tons of corporate meddling. Like they <laughs> had to incorporate. You know, Sam Raimi was all about. Uh, go look up yeah. Spider-Man Three. Uh, yeah. Just dance scene. Is yeah. that probably gonna pull it up? The uh, the fucking uh, Sandman scene where he emerges from the uh, sand. Which which is like takes forever was a revolutionary advancement in computer graphics technology. Sam Raimi was obsessed with getting this scene done. It does nothing for the plot. It is, is real bad and dumb. Um, but even then it still carries that charm. Like uh, history will be kinder to Spider-Man three. Hopefully it would have been cool. Oh, it's, and it has a uh, fucking great James Franco acting in it. It seems like, it would have been cool. Like, it seems like they definitely held Raimi back. Like, he wanted Ben Kingsley to come in and play Vulture, and instead the producer, Avi Arad, convinced Raimi to use Venom because Venom would sell more. Um, it seems like there was a lot of that sort of discussion and debate that that won over that um, would have made for a cooler movie if Raimi was able to helm the project a little bit more. Uh, there were a fourth and fifth film planned, but Raimi ends up dropping out of the out of the the series entirely, and that ends the whole thing. They end up deciding to reboot, and they did so with 2012's Amazing Spider-Man. Now, I actually recently watched it. I watched it like yesterday. One or two. One. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> two's no good, right? Two's, two is... I have a thing on two. Well, okay, cool. So I'll just start with one directed by... I, so great. Directed by Mark Webb. Uh, he did 500 Days of Summer, which I enjoyed, but it's kind of interesting. Again, like Raimi, it's kind of interesting to go from that to this. This, uh, is part, this is the beginning of handing off like guy, like dudes that pulled off like okay indie movies and giving them giant... Uh, big budget projects so that like the studios can have more control over them uh it works when it's like uh jurassic world that ended up doing great it fucking sucked when they got the uh chronicle guy to do fan four stick what fan four fantastic four the shitty fantastic oh four oh out. yeah 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 um, oh god hopefully uh, it'll work when they gave uh they gave uh rian johnson yeah the star wars w- thing oh oh i thought you were talking about the guy uh thor the new thor too yeah, and they looks gave like the that's thor, ragnarok yeah. yeah to the guy who did what we do in the show it's a mixed bag but uh yeah giving mark webb amazing spider-man was kind of like the first herald of this of this trend here's a quote from him when you walk out of the theater i want the world you see to resemble what you saw on the screen part of the joy of cinema is that you make the impossible look real. I wanted it to be more grounded and more realistic. And that went for the emotion of the scenes, the physical action and wardrobe. It's less based in Steve Ditko world um, and probably closer visually and more influenced by Ultimate Spider-Man. But it is also very much a world of our own devising. Um, so I will say this about it. It felt like, you know, they they wanted to go less for the humor, more for the tragedy, more for the realism, more for the, like, a little bit. I, I don't want to say gritty because that's almost too stylized. Like, yeah. they weren't, it wasn't the gritty reboot of Spider-Man. It was more like just the more 
grounded version of Spider-Man a little bit. But then they kind of mutts it up by having the lizard in there, which was kind of like... The, li- the whole lizard plot yeah, is so fucking stupid. It's goofy, and that actually makes it feel more like campy Spider-Man. Yeah. So you have this these campy elements that don't quite work. Like, it, it, they should have gone full bore in that direction, whereas at the end of the day, I will just and say... And they kept pushing this line, this through line with his dad being like a secret science spy uh-huh. or something yeah yeah it's so fucking at the end of the day <laughs> fucking bad at the end of the day I, I like it's just incredibly it felt quite generic it felt like well, you Sony know just had a, to for keep, a superhero yeah, film sony just had to keep pumping these things out because as soon as they like let the property like even just a little bit off the hook marvel would just come in and just like try and sue the rights back uh-huh so, yeah, they just have to keep it running, and it feels a little tired. I will say, you know, uh, on the brighter side, definitely Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone's uh, chemistry is phenomenal. They Obviously, they end up getting together. So, I mean, it's, you, that really reads quite well, and I think she's very well cast. I think, like, the Gwen Stacy-Spider-Man relationship in general is pretty well done in this. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, at the oh, end of— but, you know, but Andrew Garfield was too cool to be Peter Parker. Yes. And, Peter, and he was, like, the friend—he wasn't even a nerd. He was, like, the cool guy that was good to— the nerds. They tried to like make yeah. They tried to make him seem like an underdog, but at the end of the day, right? He just seemed like the cool dude who gets to in real life actually be with him a stone, yeah. which is like you know, um, it would have worked a little bit better if we get and and that's where I think um, why I'm excited to see Homecoming. Uh, but let's first talk about Amazing Spider-Man Two. Uh, it's the same team pretty much, and we've got Jamie Fox as Electro. And you said you have a thing, so I'm gonna give you the floor, Jake. So Amazing Spider-Man Two is a fucking nightmare of a movie. Uh, Did elect- y'all talk about it on Nerd of Mouth? Pr- definitely. Yeah. <laughs> definitely shat all over this thing. Um, Jamie Foxx is terrible as this villain who, like, in his initial nerdy persona is, like, doing what Jamie Foxx, the single most confident and, like, amazing human being who ever lived, he's, like, he has to, like, imagine what it would be like to lack self-confidence, and it feels like he's doing, like, a shitty impression of a nerd. Um the fight scenes and the choreography is all over the place and like hard to follow. Uh, Gwen Stacy dies. It's fucking brutal. Yeah. Like you see her fucking hit the ground. Oh my God. And there's this dumb, like it's supposed to be dramatic. All right. This is the dramatic moment. Gwen Stacy uh, is falling uh, because their terrible version of the green goblin that looks like a fucking juggalo <laughs> reject uh, <laughs> dropped her down a clock tower. And Spider-Man's like, no! And he drops, uh, he lets out his web line. And the web line itself forms a tiny little web hand that's also going like, no! Like, it literally, the web strands form a hand. It's so bad. Uh, they keep throwing in all these, like, allusions to a Sinister Six movie because they're just trying yeah, to fucking... Yeah, they just really wanna they want to get that franchise. franchise. They, Avenger, this is Avengers is well um, out now, right? I mean, yeah. this is so they're just like... Money, 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 money. Get um, that Sinister Six going. There was that gigantic Sony leak that happened a few years yes. ago, and all the producers are like jacking off. I'm all over themselves, thinking about like, oh, we're so great. This is going to make all the money. We're so brilliant, and they have no idea what they're doing. Uh, Paul uh, Feige, 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 Feig, Feig, um, from Marvel. You'd think he'd be like, good. Good. Let it all burn. They're, they actually found like notes that he sent the uh, Sony bigwigs, and like he was begging them to make a better movie. 
the notes were stuff like there are too many storylines and we need to choose which ones we're focusing which it on. Which had heavy criticism yeah. from critics and fans about uh, that. Toned down the Paul Giamatti performance so he seems a bit more menacing and less cartoonish. He had a fucking Boris and Natasha Russian accent for no reason. <laughs> uh, I really love Electro. Feels like you may not want the scene in his apartment which makes him seem crazy and not someone we can relate to. Uh, you need to set up the power plant earlier visually. Uh, there could be a better way to reveal that Peter is missing his graduation. Maybe you could cut to a wider show. Like just, just all these notes that he's like, please don't ruin Spider-Man. Yeah. And it totally, yeah. And it totally, totally didn't work. It was a, sh- it was a, sh- well, I'm glad I didn't get to that one. Well, it under, <laughs> well, it underperformed. So finally Marvel had the negotiating, like, kind of, uh, uh, wind at their backs. So they started to collaborate and that's how you got, uh, Spider-Man in Marvel Civil War, and that's how you got Spider-Man Homecoming, which was a decent little movie. And in February 2015, Marvel Studios and Sony reached a deal to share the character rights of Spider-Man, integrating the character into the established Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, what kept Spider-Man out? Was it because Sony had the rights? Uh, is that what kept Spider-Man away from the Avengers? Yeah, and- they don't have the they don't have the film rights. They sold it off back when Marvel. Uh, was a struggling comics company and not a Disney-owned juggernaut of modern culture. So so they finally are able to transfer the whole thing over, and that's why you've got, yes, in Captain America's Civil Sony War. still, it's, it's a collaboration. Sony and Marvel work together now when it comes to dealing with Spider-Man. I think my favorite thing about this movie, having not seen it, and I'm glad you have, right? You have, so we, you can speak towards it more. But one thing I do love is that they cast uh, a 21-year-old actor to play Spider-Man, Tom Holland. I think this is the closest in age that the lead actor has actually been to uh, Peter Parker's general age in the comics, which I think makes it feel like like I saw him in Civil War, uh, and it definitely had that like youthful exuberance that you know definitely felt more in line with who Peter Parker, the character mm-hmm. of Peter Parker, than any of the previous Spider Men. Just the, just making him that young, and also he's got a uh, acrobatic and dancing background. He first appeared as uh, Billy Elliot's friend Michael in the musical uh, Billy Elliot on uh, the West End. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's definitely uh, like sort of. Sounds great uh, for the role. And um, the writers apparently had a lot of fun. Writer John Daly says uh, about the writing it, when you're seeing the world through the eyes of a fun, funny kid, you can really embrace the voice and not give him the cookie-cutter one-liners that you're so accustomed to hearing from Peter Parker. Also, the fact that Michael Keaton plays the vulture is, is, uh, I think is also awesome. He did a really great job as like a real kind of believable villain. Um, So, yeah, what would you say about... Also, uh, the plot mirrors my... Bargain bill sketch that I did for Dorkly uh, three years ago, <laughs> and I'm just I just waiting for my residual checks. So, uh, just a quick recap before we kind of wrap everything up here. Oh, uh, 60 years of fucking constant holy, uninterrupted narrative. Yeah, holy shit, dude. <laughs> I can't Holy believe we, shit. This, this episode's running a little bit long, yeah. and the fact that it's not five hours is a miracle. So uh, any any final words about Homecoming before we before we end this? Uh, it's not a perfect movie, but it's definitely better than Amazing Spider-Man, and I'm hopeful for future Marvel-led uh, Spider-Man. Does it do more on the comedy, it seems like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spider-Man is a, is a, you know, he's struggling to maintain his family, his social life, his classes, his crime fighting. He's still young. He's still naive. He's still, like, adjusting to the world. Uh, they have solid comedy moments there. Uh, it's, you know, what? It, it's, it's not, I prefer the Raimi Spider-Man, but that's because the, I was the age 
I was younger. I was the exact right age to be receptive to it. So I'm just glad that there are people who are down in their luck and like just don't feel like a hero and they have a Spider-Man that relates to them. Totally. So... Yeah, uh, that's our episode on Spider-Man. Uh, I hope you Bone enjoyed it. Bonesaw is ready. Bonesaw is ready. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it from me. This has uh, been great. Uh, please uh, follow me on Twitch, Holdenators Ho. Oh, and uh, write a review and rate us on iTunes. That's Wizard the Bruiser, of course. Um, any any little bit counts, and we really appreciate you guys uh, uh, listening to us week in and week out. Um, I'm sure it's annoying at times. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for tolerating our meandering nonsense. Please leave a review on iTunes and don't mention the meandering nonsense. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Best Jake Young. All right. And take care. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. In a fast-paced world... Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.